Hello and welcome to my third podcast. Um, Finally, uh, I've had so many technical issues this week with my recording. Um, Eventually now I'm actually recording through the microphone on my laptop. I couldn't get it to record through my microphone. Uh, I ordered a new sound card that arrived and now that's giving the most awful sort of high pitched squeak when I'm recording. So hopefully I'll have it all sussed out for next week. But actually this recording doesn't sound too bad, um, seeing as I have avoided it for ages. So sorry for the lateness in this podcast going out. So I hope you have enjoyed my previous two podcasts. Um, The first one, a bit of an introduction to me, and the second one was all about ageing as a woman. And it was quite generalised, I get that. So I will probably do a little bit more specific on the different things, topics that I covered in the ageing one, as in menopause and HRT specifically because I have gone through that and also maybe the hysterectomy as well. I can talk about that and how it affected me and the recovery and everything. But if you do want to know anything about hysterectomies in the meantime, go to my Instagram page and I have highlights of the first few days, I suppose the first week of my recovery. So, um, yeah, this week I am going to talk to you about my journey through weight loss and I wouldn't even say I would call it a journey through weight loss because it's like I am searching for the nirvana in my life of weight loss. Um, It has been 30 plus years of endless diets, uh, weight loss programs, whatever you want to call them, but basically they've all been for me to try and lose weight. And like most people and most women, I suppose, I'm going to refer to us women more than men, but men as well, um, it has not been successful. (laughs) And the most successful I got, I don't know. I actually don't really know what happened. When I look back at it, I don't know what happened, why my success failed, because I had been doing so well. But anyway, um, I suppose, background, I have always carried weight. Uh, I remember being a teenager and always being the bigger girl in my group of friends, and that's not even me you know, with a warped memory, I was, in fact, I found my partner was clearing out the shed and he found a box of my stuff and in it he found, we found a note, I was obviously, I'd obviously fallen out with one of my friends quite badly and it was, she had written me this note and it was horrible but she mentioned my weight in that, Um, but when I look back I probably wasn't you know, they were probably sort of size 8 to 10 and I was probably size 12 to 14, which to me is a great healthy weight. Um, To say I cycled to school every day and back, I walked everywhere. We lived in the middle of the countryside, so it was one of those, you know, sort of lifestyles. Um, 
yeah, and that's when I do remember my weight being an issue. Um, now I'm going to touch on some sensitive topics I meant to say at the start of this. Uh, so just going forward, there might be a few things that might trigger people. Um, so just warning you, um, I will be mentioning a few things. So that's just your trigger warning. So I suppose, yeah, 30 plus years. I mean, I'm 52 now and I definitely remember dieting in 18, 19, 20, you know, going on, find, doing the weirdest diets. I've done them all like everyone else. Um, I guess it probably did come from childhood, from a number of different factors. And I know my mum listens to this, uh, but we've had the conversation about food and the way we had food in our childhood and the way it was and you know looking back I can see that money was probably tight like so many people but food I suppose we were all I always thought that we were a real foodie family um, and it's only in the past few years I've realized it wasn't necessarily being a foodie family but just a love of food and big portions and um, we came from that typical era you know our our mother parents came from that typical era where you finished everything on your plate you know it was food waste otherwise so yeah definitely grew up with that little um thing where we were told you know finish everything on your plate there was also food was used definitely used to punish I mean again lots of households to punish and to reward so it was always there was always a thing about food. Now, I don't know, like, I could be talking to Mary down the road and she could say, yeah, that was the same in our house. But I suppose whatever way we um, we interpreted it or our subconscious interpreted it, it became a thing with us. Now, definitely myself and my next sister down, we definitely would have the more psychological attachment to food and eating um whereas my sister after that would say she didn't she just would say she eats too much or ate too much um i'll come back to that but i i know myself uh, well i'm going to speak about myself i'm not going to speak about the others i definitely became a secret eater um definitely in before i was before i went into my teens because i remember secret eating and doing th doing things not doing things with food but sneaking food um and now I look back and I've had the conversation with my mum uh, you know yes money was tight so things you know things had to be rationed to a certain extent but I would go to my neighbor's house and I would see them eating freely taking what they wanted they ate as they wanted and you know I, I suppose yeah there was jealousy as well so we became secret eaters um I I think I definitely became a comfort eater very early on in my life again you know the whole reward thing was we've I did it to my children so I don't blame my mother at all I, you know there's no blame there but I definitely I definitely found food a comfort, um, a comfort or not a comfort. You know, I don't know when it slipped into being not a comfort where it became a com 
I labelled it comfort eating, but it became more a way to beat myself up. Um, <clears throat> yeah, like it was weird. Our childhood, you know, I don't mean weird, but we definitely went through very different phases. My my parents were real hippies and they, you know, went through the, I was going to say macrobiotic phase. I don't think it is macrobiotic, but a phase where we just ate beans and we were very vegetarian and very lived off the land. Uh, we ate really, I mean, actually we, we've always eaten very well, very balanced, just too much of it. That's the bottom line. It was just too much. We, you know, we would have had always had lots of veg on our plate. That was a big thing. We never had fried, very rarely had fried food. But even at that, we like we didn't have a, we didn't have chips. We didn't have anything sort of really bad. We had, I do know we used to have um, like blue band margarine. That was considered to be healthy back then. But that was again the marketing. It was put out there that margarine was better for you than real butter. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we always, I always remember, and even to this day, there's always like two different types of vegetables on the table, uh, as well as potatoes or whatever, you know. So to an extent, it was healthy eating, but I do think it was distorted. And I think it became very distorted for my, my, m me and my sibling. Um distorted and disordered I mean I remember I actually remember sneaking apples to to secret eat you know whatever about the crisps and the chocolate bars apples yeah I like what can I say so yeah it definitely de developed and started there and I'm as I said there could be people who would not have that um same map of the world as us but food became a thing for us, de me, definitely, definitely. Um, but also, as I moved on into my teens, I it was th this was something I had kept hidden. But I was molested by a neighbour. So in typical fashion, when someone has been suffered from child abuse, um, child sexual abuse, they tend to... <sighs> Uh, try to make themselves not look attractive so overeating became a way to protect myself as well and definitely that was again in my teens and that was that was very subconscious and I look I, I work with people with subconscious mind now and I can see it so clearly what all my subconscious mind was trying to get me to do was to keep me safe but back then you know it was more sort of like it was like a form of punishment I suppose and I suppose over the, over the years I did use it as a form of punishment but also I was my subconscious mind was compelling me to stay overweight or to put weight on so I wouldn't look as attractive um my teen years I hated hated them hated school and now again looking back I know I'm an introvert and I was obviously an introvert then but being a sort of girl grown up in eight, in the 80s in the countryside I felt I had to be sociable or try and be sociable and go to the discos and I loved dancing so I had no problem with that side of it but I always felt awkward around groups of people and there was obviously the group 
of friends and I just never felt I fitted in. Um, I probably really didn't fit in. I mean, as I said, my parents were hippies in the middle of this really rural Irish uh, townsland or village land. And, you know, they were they stood out because they were so hippie-ish. So we, we, we stood out. And as an introvert, I didn't want to stand out. But funnily enough, by putting the weight on, I did stand out because even though I thought I was protecting myself and making myself more invisible, I wasn't because I was the bigger girl in the group when we were in a group. So, yeah, I left home um, when I was nearly 17. I actually went to be a nanny for my mother's stepbrother's family, um, went to Spain that was grand. I don't really remember. I, I remember, the like, obviously I remember food and everything, but I don't really remember much around anything to do with food then, I suppose. I don't know. It's funny. I'm trying to remember back, but ended up coming home about a year later. I was just so homesick. Got another child-minded job. And of course, here I had the freedom to go to the shops myself to buy I had money to buy these things and I distinctly remember I was a living childminder in Black Rock I was 18 19 and there was a filling station across the road and I remember going over and buying sweets from that shop and and again we're talking like pre-90s the late 80s but I distinctly remember that um and then going into my early, into the 90s, so my early 20s, I was in London, I was in Dublin. Um, I do remember having issues with what I was eating then. I remember I lived with this really lovely lady. She gave me, you know, let me stay until I found my own place to live. And I remember her, she had this I'll never forget it. And it's something I actually make now because I loved it so much. But she used real butter on this beautiful brown bread. And I was just like, oh, my God, um, I have so many memories that are food based. I remember my cousin. I went to visit her in London and I remember she had. Be- oh, she used to have pate, real nice, like Brus- Brussels pate on Rivita or brie cheese on Rivita and I remember staying at her um flat one weekend and I remember going to the shop and buying Watsits and every time I have Watsits I have this real evocative sort of anchor memory that brings me back to those Watsits funny um and they I suppose they were sort of good memories but I always remember them being tarnished by me feeling guilty about eating them that they were fattening that they weren't good for me I do, and I they, they definitely had that connotation to them. So my food and my eating was very disordered. Um, again, it's funny because people say, you always hear people say, oh, when it's Christmas time, you don't remember the food you ate, you remember the good times and the, that you ate. But I do have all these memories, but they're negative memories, I suppose. Um I have, a, I have the, anyone who knows me knows that I adore food shopping. I adore supermarket shopping, food shopping. I mean, I go to England when we could, when it wasn't 
COVID times, I would go over to visit my sister. I'd go over, you know, the first place I wanted to go on the way home would be Asda or Sainsbury's. Uh, like, and I would just walk around going, oh my God, look at that. I wish we had that. Oh my God, oh my God. And still to this day, uh, I mean, COVID has taken the joy out of supermarket shopping, but like that was my joy rather than clothes shopping, food shopping, you know, finding new things and creating different ways to use them. So my first memory of going to a weight loss club was Weight Watchers. I mean, back in the day, you really only had Weight Watchers um, and that was in Dublin and I, I was working for Virgin Megastore and I've seen pictures of myself. Um, I was probably size 16 to 18 and I do go by sizes rather than weight. Even now, I will say, you know, I'm sort of an 18 to 20, but I don't really go about my weight because I think for me, it's a size that I want to be rather than a weight. But um yeah, I remember I used to go with my friend Terry. We would go to Weight Watchers. The You've heard it so many times. Anyone who's in, been to weight loss groups of any sort, we would go, we would get our books, we would get weighed and we would leave there and we would go and buy fish and chips. And that was every single week without fail. Go to the chipper on the way home from our weight loss group. Suffice to say, I don't think I lost any weight. I really don't. I I can't even remember ever really losing weight. Left there, probably rejoined multiple times. And when I moved back to Wexford, well, I was I was actually pregnant when I moved back. So um, after that, again, I remember joining Weight Watchers, going to Weight Watchers, Oh, gone through the whole rigmarole, sitting in the group, hearing the same stuff. Oh my God, it just ugh, makes me shiver now. I will. I got really into social media when it sort of started to come out. So when Facebook came out, I got really into that part of it. But before Facebook, I was really into the internet. I was very, you know, into looking looking up groups and stuff. And I remember. There was this um, forum called Mini Mins, and I joined it. And it was to, it was for a forum for people on weight loss journeys. So there were so many different groups, but they were all like there was Weight Watchers, there was Slimming World, there was the Rosemary Connolly, there was all I mean you name it Cambridge Diet. It was all there, all there. All different types of people were doing all different, but there was like a general chit chat. And I made some fabulous friends on that forum. I can tell you this hand on heart now. There were a few fallouts, as there always are on forums. But it was there that I first learned about Slimming World. And I became a little bit obsessive about Slimming World and the fact that we didn't have it here. Um, Looking back now, I suppose... I I saw Slimming World the way they market very well. They market it. They use the word free so many times. And I talk about this a lot on my Instagram page, that it's one of the bigger problems I have with a lot of the slimming groups and their marketing campaigns. They use the word free so many times. You use the word free, you're for especially especially people who struggle with weight and weight loss. Oh my god. 
you know, all we ever want is to be able to eat freely because we don't eat freely. Even when we're eating fish and chips or we're eating, having a binge, we're not eating freely. Our, our head, you know, there's no freedom in how people who ca- who are overweight eat. We always have something tied up to it. There's always a cost to it. There's always a price to pay no matter what we eat. So very cleverly, slimming groups such a slimming world and I'm going to bring it up to the present day Unislim I think yeah Weight Watchers use the word they all incorporate the word free in their marketing and selling campaigns and you will notice that and I don't I mean I had actually I remember when I stopped going to clubs and I was a bit not abusive about them but I was very sort of critical of them and I was very you know I did sort of call them a bit cultish I called them you know manipulators and I do they are manipulators they're a business at the end of the day slimming clubs are a business they want you to step foot in the door no matter what the intention of the leader behind the the club has they are still a business at the end of the day and they still want you to spend your money Come in, spend your money with us. Don't go to that other one. We're better. But as we all know, and I'm not I'm not going to go into all the specifics, but every club, every every weight loss program you do, it's all about calorie deficit at the end of the day. But we'll get to that later. So you were you use the word free and I will jump on it. I my subconscious mind all it's ever wanted to do is eat freely. No matter how consciously I can sit and say, well, um if I eat I've I always use this analogy because I've I did it with every single weight loss program club program I ever did. But quark was always free. It's always free. Um it is a fat free product. Yes, it's fat free. But it was always the free thing. And I remember making up tubs and tubs of quark with hot chocolate, local hot chocolate mixed in, a bit of vanilla essence, maybe a bit of sweetener, and sitting and eating the whole tub because it was free. You look at the calories for that. I was probably consuming 350 calories. You know, I could have had two chocolate bars for that seriously you know so I jumped on when I heard these free words when I was on that forum I was so jealous of the girls that were doing Slimming World and I because it wasn't in Ireland yet and I was waiting for it to come to Ireland then it came to Ireland it was in Dublin finally it hit Wexford and I thought my whole life would change this was it Slimming World had come to Ireland. Now don't forget Slimming World is huge in England. I mean it is the biggest slimming club in England. It oh my god it is just multi multi million pound um, business. So yeah they started coming around the country and next thing it hit Wexford and the joy I felt. I was ecstatic I was first in that queue could not wait to get in sat in uncomfortable because I'm an introvert and I hate groups and I now know that's why I never liked being in those groups but I would I would interact you know um 
the funny thing about Slimming World is, uh, and in the meantime, I'd done Unislim, by the way. And again, I had that's where I lost most of my weight. Well, not most of my weight. The most weight I've ever lost was with Unislim back in the day. And I lost me, my mum, my two sisters went and I lost two stone. And then it all just fell apart because my my younger sister decided to emigrate to Canada and my other sister moved up up country and it was just me and mum and it just all, you know, just went went away. But anyway, Slimming World came along and I thought, this is it. This is the thing that will change my life. And uh, yeah, I probably spent a year and a half spending 10 euro a week or is it nine euro for Simming World going up two pounds going down two pounds going up two pounds going down two you know like I played such a game a dancing game because I was a manipulator I I am here my name is Clarissa and I manipulate plans in the sense that if you tell me something is free I will use that free food to eat as much as I can or could and that is my history with every single slimming club. I manipulated my intake. So I was I would go in with my you know, they'd say, Oh well bring bring your um your tracker next week and let me have a look. So I would bring it and they'd look at it and they'd go, Yeah, it's fine, there's nothing wrong with that. You it looks perfect. And I'd be standing there going, But little did they didn't take the time to really look and say well I know you say you have the quark four nights a week and that's free food but you know 350 calories probably not the best thing to be having for your snack so anyway and I hold my hands up and there are people who do these plans and they lose weight and they maintain their weight and I oh all hats off to them but I think if you look into it deeply only about 20% of people manage to keep their weight off I actually think the percentage could be smaller so um, I can remember the last time I did a weight loss group and it was Unislim now I love the basis of Unislim I, I love what their ethos you know the the ethos is it's very healthy eating they let you they let you eat fats you know you're given a free fat a day you're lots of free foods lots of foods are free you know and again but again all those free foods just made me manipulate the plan and every free food apart from water has calories in it and for someone I'm I know now being a calorie counter that I'm quite sensitive to calories in the sense that if I eat more calories than like my body doesn't need that many calories to burn. So I have to be really watch it. So yeah. um, Yeah. Clubs and me didn't really no, Definitely. Oh, sadly, sad to say I was probably in and out of clubs for sort of near enough 30 years, 30 odd years. And I don't mean constantly, but in and out of them. And yeah, never lost weight. I mean, I I met my partner sixteen years ago, and I was remember I was I've been on a weight loss journey since then, and he's never seen me less than I think I, I when I lost the two stone, I was down to sort of very tight fourteen sixteen. So yeah, 
that's that just shows you see at least 16 years which brings me on to one of the things that I I I'm a person who says never regret anything don't regret you know you whatever you've done in your life has brought you to today okay if you were a serial killer you are a murderer maybe regret that but most of our life experiences make us the person that we are today so I do try and have that ethos of don't regret you know your past because it's made you who you are but I do have one humongous regret and that is when my daughter came along and when she came into her teens she has she's like me loves her food loves cooking loves baking but I made her sort of a co-conspirator when it came to having in inverted commas and I'm making them if you saw me on video bad food or naughty food and she's all she ever saw me as her role model was me constantly on this weight loss journey and unfortunately I she's an adult now but I still really get regret and it's one of my biggest regrets and one of my the things that I really get upset about is that I gave her an unhealthy way of looking at food and how to lose weight and and even weight loss um so yeah there's my regret making her a co-conspirator I don't regret using food to reward I can't say that because I think we all do that don't we I mean there is an element as parents that we you know that's kind of like if you're good I'll give you a biscuit or if you're good we'll go to McDonald's as a treat you know and I know lots of all these weight loss people say oh you shouldn't use food as a treat or a reward but you know it's one of the most basic fundamental ways of treating or rewarding we still you know we treat ourselves it's a treat to go out for a meal it's a treat to have an ice cream on a sunny day so I don't agree with all that you know rubbish where don't use food but if you see a distorted per a person who has a distorted relationship with food like me, then maybe it's not such a good thing. So yeah, I do. That's that was awful. So um, moving on, I got to just before my fiftieth birthday, and I remember going to my swimming club, and I had a cold. Now. Anyone who's ever followed anyone on Instagram or like the likes of James Smith or the Food Doctor or any of them knows that all these sort of detox things are a heap of shite. And I always remember I had this cold and I remember the person behind the scales saying to me, I said, oh, I have a cold. And she said, oh, you should do a detox this week. And I walked out of there and I thought, that's it. That's the last time I will ever step foot in a weight loss club group. I'm, I just I'm done I was done um but that was a lie because I did try Weight Watchers after that for about three weeks and then corona hit so yeah I was it was the best thing that ever happened to me because again it was a group and I just couldn't cope with it I just couldn't cope 
I can't cope with groups. I, they just, as an introvert, they make me feel so uncomfortable. So that that's it from there on. So um, where am I at? Yeah, my childhood. Yeah, I developed very disordered eating or view of eating, you know. And as an adult, I have done so much secret eating it's one of my downfalls I definitely think like I would still not eat a lot of foods in front of my partner and he probably knows that in fairness he probably knows that but I still wouldn't for fear of being judged now just a little backstory on this um I didn't have a great relationship with my stepfather growing up and as teenagers he would use our weight as a little way of having a go at us so again I have those words and I'm not going to start going down I get on great with my stepfather now but we didn't have a great relationship growing up when I was a teenager and I don't know if he'd admit it because he's a man he's got that man attitude but my mum would say that you know she'd agree we didn't but he did use food to I'm going to use the word to bully me and my sister, definitely. I mean, and I remember being humiliated in front of other, in front of visitors at the dinner table. Um, Horrible. I hate even the thought of it now. It just makes me shiver. But yeah, so I definitely became a secret eater. Um, I became a binger. I was quite, I definitely had over the past, good few years I have been a binger um I suppose if I'm being totally honest I've been a binger and a purger you know but not to any extent where I've thought oh shit this is getting out of hand but oh yeah I have done it like everyone else I think or most people I know um I have definitely used food all my life to to punish myself to beat myself up with whether it's restricting myself from having a food or whether it's using the food to actually punish myself um either way it's it's been like a cycle you know and I would I would actually say that I you know I have been I have had binge eating disorder um I'm trying to think the last time I did binge I can't actually remember which is good, I suppose. But I, I've definitely spent the past two years trying to make peace with my eating and how I eat and the way I eat. Um, but one thing I just can't, still can't deal with is if someone not criticises me, but even passively criticises what I, or questions what I'm eating. Um, it really triggers me and upsets me, you know. And I know I I could be, you know, that person that says, I'll oh, fuck off, I'll eat what I want. But do you know what? I'm not that person. Um, I say it. I might say it, but I don't mean it. it. It will actually get in on me and I will start questioning myself and questioning why I'm doing it and what I'm doing it. And it's awful. Um, but I've spent, as I said, the past two years really, really trying to make peace with food and how I eat and what I eat um so I suppose to bring us up to date where I'm at I back in 
October 2020. Um, Noom kept coming up in front of my face and I was kind of like, nah, nah, nah. And then I thought, look, I'm going to sign up for the two week free trial, see what it's like and just take it from there. So it's a CBT based program. So it helps you develop a better relationship with food and eating and what you eat. Now there is elements of there's a food logger, there's a you know, there's that sort of thing, but I actually don't pay any attention to that. I log my food, my calories on a different app. Um, because let's face it, as I keep saying in the Facebook group, no none of us have arrived at Noom without having been in numerous weight loss groups. So we know how to lose weight. So it's never you know, for me going into another group was not the answer. It was to find out why I eat and the way I eat and you know, get to the bottom of that behaviour because that was the problem. And there was no amount of me going standing on the scales once a week that was going to fix that and being handed a book and a food plan. It was why I ate the way I did. So I'm really interested in CBT anyway and, you know, the the psychology of, you know, our behaviours. So that's been working well for me. I was doing really well up to Christmas. Then I just was like, I'm going to enjoy Christmas. I've spent far too many years making pretend food for Christmas and not enjoying it and then having a binge. So I ate what I fancied and yeah, put on weight. And I just got to the end of January 2021 now and I got rid of my Christmas weight. So I'm sort of moving forward. Um. Mentally, I'm in the best place I have been in a long time when it comes to food. And I definitely attribute that to the CBT part of Noom. I definitely do. Um, I'm not, this is not me promoting Noom and it's not me being all sort of, oh, you got to go and get it. But I do think it is a good program for that. There's a lot of things wrong with it. A lot of glitches. It's very Americanized. But for me, that part of it is working. So, um, as I said, I'm not advertising them. I'm just telling you where I'm at. Um, so, yeah. And, and like when I think over the years, the money I've spent. Oh, my God. It makes me shiver. I can't I I can't even begin to think how much money I have spent trying to lose weight now one thing I've never done is the shakes you know the Cambridge diet or whatever the other one was um because I like to chew my food I like to be I'm not even the like I'll eat soup but I'm not even the hugest soup fan because I just like to bite my food so um I'm very proud to be able to stand up and say that is one thing I've never given into is any of the shakes but fair play to people who can do it oh my god So when I put up um, on Instagram, I put up a question box and there were a couple, there weren't very many, but there were a couple that came in and someone said, how do I cope, for instance, with cravings and mood? Um, Honestly, cravings are there for a reason. 
what they call that in Noom Circle is that's your elephant. You have your rider who gets you to eat whatever, you know, healthily. And then the elephant comes sort of bundling in and wants you to eat something that maybe is not as nutritious. But I actually think removing labels from food is one of the best things you can ever do. There's no such thing as good or fat, bad food. I'm still healing my relationship with food because it is so warped after years of diet clubs. I realise now that it's not such a bad thing for me to have, um, oh, let me, I tried to think of something, white bread. White bread is not that awful. Okay, there's not as much fibre in it as wholemeal bread, but it's actually not that bad a thing to have. Butter isn't that bad to have. Yes, it's high in fat, and if you're watching your cholesterol, etc., but it's still, it's not that bad thing to have. For me, I'm getting to the stage where I'd rather have less of the good food than more of the food that isn't so nutritious. Well, it is nutritious, but more, you know, sort of free, fat-free, all those sort of things. I'd rather have a little bit of light mayonnaise or real mayonnaise than have a lot of extra light mayonnaise. Do you get me? Um, So for me... I suppose if I do get a craving, which I really haven't had in a long time, because I'm, if I get a craving, if I did get a craving, I'd say, well, yeah, no, I'll have it. If I fancy it, I'll have it. I'm not in a race with anyone anymore. Um, I do calorie count. I keep a track of my calories every single day because, again, I have too much of a distorted view. I did intuitive eating once and I put on like half a stone in the space of two weeks because I can't eat intuitively. I think if you have had such a disordered relationship with food and weight loss and everything, I I actually, I believe that intuitive eating can't be done for a good while. Maybe I'll further down the line, I will be able to stop logging and counting my calories. But not at the moment, no, I can't because I I can't really trust myself. Um, so, yeah, sometimes if you're just in a bad mood, go and get what you fancy, you know, but don't make, don't, there's a difference between a craving and a binge. If you fancy a scone, just go and have the scone. Just don't have it every day, because then it's not a treat. Then it's a habit. Um Someone said how not to eat a full packet of biscuits when stressed. So just don't have them in the house. I Biscuits would be a downfall for me. Honestly, they would. So I'd, I haven't had biscuits in my house for a long time. Um, when I was working, I would, you know, I'm not working as a carer anymore but when I was working biscuits there would be biscuits everywhere in the staff room and yeah I would either not have them or if I had one then it led to two to three so I personally if there's a food that I can't control like a packet of biscuits I just won't buy them or I buy if there's other people in the house and they like biscuits and they can eat a couple I buy biscuits that I don't really like you know that it wouldn't like a packet of open ginger nuts sat on our side counter for three weeks and I actually just threw them in the bin because I'd use them to make a cheesecake base <clears throat> so that's what I mean I was they could sit there but if it they'd been shortbread or custard creams or digestives I definitely would have 
So that would be my advice on that. Um, someone said intuitive eating. Well, I've just told you there. I don't think it's such a bad thing. I don't think it's, I think it's too much of a buzzword. I, for me, as I said, it's about healing my relationship with food first and then I can start to trust myself not to go overboard on foods that maybe won't keep me in my calorie deficit or weight loss, you know, but I don't know. I just think anyone coming to intuitive eating after doing loads of groups and stuff, I think you've just got to be careful. But everyone's different as well. So you do you. Um, you've got to do your research into it, do your reading. As I said, it was awful for me. But I do think instead of, I don't really, I'll plan out evening meals, but I don't really plan out like my breakfast and lunch every day because I would intuitively go with what I fancy. When I wake up in the morning, I think, oh, what do I fancy today? It might be boiled eggs or whatever. And same with lunch. So I don't know if that's intuitive. That to me is intuitive. And then I work out a way to keep it within my calories. Um, Does your head need to be right before embarking on weight loss journey? No. Honestly, I don't think so. I think you've just got to do it. I think you could wait for it to be right every single Monday. I'm going to start. I'm going to start. I mean, I, I have to say at the beginning of January... It definitely took me two weeks to actually get back into a good sort of calorie deficit. Um, up And I did get the fears at one stage. I was like, oh, my God, am I ever going to actually get back to eating in a calorie deficit? But I was I, in, instead of beating myself up, I was a little bit more gentle with myself. So I kind of forgave myself and I said to myself, every day is a new day. So I would get up every day the next day and go, right, this is, you know, this is a new day. Let's see how today goes. So I don't think so. I think if you, for health reasons, need to lose weight, if I think there's, you know, I think you've just got to do it. Like anything else, you can procrastinate and wait for the right moment to the end of the days but you know and, and take it slowly one step at a time don't try and change everything in one big failed swoop you know I see all these challenges on on Instagram oh people you know walking 8k a day oh yeah let's do an 8k a day challenge or let's do um I don't know you know have every meal perfect and drink four liters of water not four liters but you know where I'm getting that but like there's 21 main meals in a week and even if you get 19 of them right you're doing fairly well in fairness there's you know life is for living and it, you know I always think as well work out where your happy place is um, I learned that when I first started looking into sort of calorie counting and weight loss and find your TDEE, your um, total daily energy expenditure. There's loads of calculators online. Just put in TDEE. So find out what your total daily calorie intake needs for you to like not put weight on or not 
lose weight and then you just minus 500 and you as a woman stick with that for four to six weeks probably five weeks six weeks it doesn't matter if you're not even losing or if you're only if in your head I'm only losing half a pound if you want to go a bit lower take another hundred off but don't forget women before menopause have hormones to deal with as well we have water weight the other thing is I weigh myself every day. That was the one big thing about weight loss groups that messed with my head so much. And now I have such a good relationship with my weighing scales. Yes, I weigh every day, but it's literally just, there's where I'm at. Well, I know yesterday I ate bacon, so I knew I know before I step on the scales that my my weight might be up like half a pound if I've eaten. I know that salt, I retain what retain water so I am one of those people that weighs myself every day it's a marker for me and then I get my average for the week so that's another good thing to do if you are embarking on calorie counting don't feed into that weekly weight weight loss thing they those groups need you to only weigh in on that day because if you start weighing yourself at home then that's a big integral part of what you go to a group to do is to step on the scales. I so many times I would go and I would have had what I consider to be a great week and I step on the scales and I've maintained or only in inverted commas lost half a pound and I'm devastated and that messed me up for the whole I would go and have a binge after that that would mess me up for the whole week Whereas in reality, I can see now when I weigh in every day at home, I can see that I could be up two pounds, which I am today. And I did not overeat yesterday. I over went over my calories, but I didn't eat enough to put up two pounds. And I know that I will step on the scales again tomorrow and it'll be down those two again because I'll have eaten less of what retains water in me if you get me if that makes sense so yeah I mean the amount of mental anguish and torture I had in those groups I will never forget I'll never forget of being jealous of Mary and she had two takeaways and she still she still lost four pounds I'll never be I'll never forget being jealous of Annie for consistently every week losing two pounds you know but I was pitched against. We are pitched against them. If you're going to sit and call out people's weight loss to the other members, you're you're being pitched, psychologically being pitched against everyone else, whether they say they don't do that or not, or that's not what they're about. That's the way we do it. We're, humans are competitive in nature. We're all competitive in nature and we all have that integral, I want to be the best, I want to do my best. Even if you're the most selfless person going and you still have that, we all have a little bit of selfishness, let's face it. There's no one who isn't a bit selfish. So we were pitched, you're you're pitched, even social media feeds into it a bit. You know, I see... And I do pull myself back quite quickly from this. But I see, you know, someone on, on Instagram. They're walking like six or 
27,000 steps a day and I'm looking at it going, well, I get my 10,000. Maybe some days I get up to 14, 15, but that's about it. I'm looking at them going, where do they get those steps in? Oh my God, how come I'm not doing that many? Oh, blah. That mentality starts and then I pull back and I go, I am doing what's right for me. That's what's right for them. I'm doing what's right for me. And make it about yourself. Make your plan about you. If you're going to do calorie counting, eat the things that you like, but just don't eat them in abundance. You know, don't beat yourself up if you go over your calories a bit. Do your exercise. Keep yourself physically active as much as you can. You know, and be your own compete against yourself be your own champion you know but every day find a few things that you've done right in that journey and say yes today I have done that I am happy I've done that and if you have a day where you go over your calories go so be it so be it tomorrow's a new day just don't let it continue so there that is all I have to say I think I've covered everything um again this was not club bashing this is not bashing people who are in clubs because for some people they are actually their only social outlet and it's how they you know they get a lot out of it and I remember sitting watching the groups in all the groups I was in and watching the the gangs you know and being envious that they had each other and they were you know they got stuff out of each other so I'm I'm not here to bash groups I'm here to tell you my story. I've told you my story. I've told you where I'm at. Where I'm at now, I'm happy enough, but I want to lose weight. I am still on my journey and I do actually foresee it happening this year. I have to say that quite honestly because I'm in a really good headspace mentally. I'm fixing the head stuff, if that makes sense. So yeah, I might come back on and do another one in a, you know, in a few months time. One thing I did want to say, though, is um, there's a couple of people very close to me who have had weight loss surgery. They ended up having weight loss surgery. Um, and I think I'll come back and do another chat about that at another time because um, that's another story. And I actually might try and interview one of them is my sister, um, my sister in England. And she had weight loss surgery two and a half, two years ago. And she looks amazing. She feels amazing, more importantly, physically, physically and mentally. So I might see if I can get her to do a podcast with me in a few weeks and we'll chat about it. But until then, well, not until that podcast, until the next podcast, I am going to bid you adieu. I hope you've enjoyed this. If you did, please subscribe and like wherever you listen to your podcast. Don't forget, the more um, feedback I get, the better. Um, I'd love a like and uh, a review or whatever and share. If you enjoyed this, share on your social media and let people know where I'm at. And um, I'm going to go and I will say goodbye and thank you so much for listening and I will catch you in the next podcast. Goodbye for now. Bye.